Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Along with my twin brother, we are excited to introduce our next guest. Joel Landy is the author of We Wired, Power Up Your Performance, Relationship, and Purpose. We're really thrilled because Joel and I go back several years. We both served in a full-time ministry together. But when I think of Joel, I think of the word adventure. Someone who isn't afraid to push the limit. He has either tried or he's attempted to done these things, things such as motorcycle racing, cycling, triathlons, flying planes, working with pilots, been in the Navy. He's served in the full-time ministry. Joel has done it all. He's a speaker, a writer, a business and performance coach, a father, which is an adventure all in his own. He's been married with his wonderful wife for over 30 years, and they've together lead an organization called the Performance Group. Joel, welcome to the program. How are you today, bud? Gentlemen, great to be here. I'm fired up, and I bring you greetings from Alpharetta, Georgia, which most people have never heard of. <laughs> we know it's a little north of the Atlanta suburbs there, but Joel, before we get into the actual podcast here and talking about your book, I've got to ask you, on your website, there's pictures of you riding bicycles and well, let's just make it real. You're, you're racing motorcycles. Yeah. Tell us about how did you get into that? What is it about the thrill of getting onto a bike going around curves in that way, going at speeds over 100, 150 miles an hour. What is it about it that you love? Why did you get into racing motorcycles? So I grew up on, on dirt bikes uh, and then drifted away from motorcycles altogether. Uh, I'm on the 405 freeway in California. I'm a new father, and I see this young guy go by me on a wheelie at it, like 85 miles an hour. <laughs> And I looked at my wife and I said, you know, I, it's time. I, I, you know, I've been itching to get a motorcycle. Long story short, you know, I wound up on the racetrack and I started racing motorcycles. And I very quickly, I got to the podium, which absolutely shocked me in Southern California, Southern California, because Southern California is a very competitive place to race motorcycles. And I had no history of racing and I really didn't ride road motorcycles, but you know, the thing I love about this, and people always ask me, you know, are you are you a thrill uh, adrenaline junkie? Are you a thrill seeker? The reason why I love this question is this question is a story about, about us. And it's this mm -hmm. story about us not quitting on ourselves. And so, you know, when people ask me, you know, why did you get into racing motorcycles? You know, my first response is, you know, at that point in my life, I felt like there was a challenge and I didn't want to give up on myself. And I know that might sound selfish in a certain way, but it really isn't because I think, you know, all of us at some point, you know, we live life in seasons and, and different things come at us at different times in our life. And I felt like this was a challenge and not unlike becoming a pilot or doing some skydiving, but I felt like I really want to get educated. And I'm going to do this the right way. But at that time I was having conversations with other men and they'd all be like, oh, you know, racing motorcycles. I mean, dude, you're you're in your late 40s and, and you're married and and you've got two kids. And and so, you know, for me, the idea of racing was just it's the Mark Twain quote, right, which is a format quote to my company, the performance group. So Mark Twain once said 20 years from now, it'll be the things that we did not do mm. rather than the things we did. Yep. that we are going to regret. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to live a life of regret. That's really what life is about. It's about living a life with no regret. And so, and it takes certain risks to accomplish this life of no regret. And so I thought to myself, after I did that experience and I launched my company and that, and that was formatting the ideas for the book, I thought, you know, I want to help people take the right risks 
for the right reasons. Because risk in and of itself can sound, it can sound irresponsible and reckless, but when you're taking risks for the right reasons, life becomes meaningful. It becomes rich. And so, so that was really the driving force for me with motorcycles. And I use it as a metaphor and a springboard to help people understand, look, you're not too old. You're not too dumb. You're not too slow. You're not born in the wrong family. You've got to get past these, these barriers to entry, which we're going to talk about, I think, in our interview that, that prevent you from doing things like this so that you can feel like you're living your best self and you're just doing the things that you want to do. This is Danny, by the way. Uh, throughout the interview, you'll hear David and myself as we speak. Uh, we'll refer to ourselves first before we speak, just so that you know the difference between the two of us. Uh, Joel, very impressive, very exciting. I, I'll tell you, two things come to my mind. Uh, one, Tom Cruise likes to do a lot of his own stunts. So when I think about uh, your life and some of the, the thrills that you've done, the way you've actually lived, lived, the word is lived, as you lived your life, not just hid, and, and be afraid every each and every day to, to live. Uh, I think about how, uh, you know, Tom Cruise would just do a lot of his own stunts or Jackie Chan would do a lot of his own stunts. So I think about that. When I think about you living your life, you're actually living the stunts. Uh, and also the second thing that comes to mind is, is just, I don't even know if I'm gonna say it right, but there's this joke, <clears throat> a cop pulled over a lady driving a car with three other ladies in the car. And, and when he pulled over this lady driving a car, he looked inside the car and all three ladies looked like they, they just had their soul ripped out of their bodies. They're about to die. And he's like, what's going on? Do you know why I pulled you over, ma'am? And she goes, no, I pulled you over because you're driving five miles per hour. And, and she goes, oh, that's because it's, a, it's the I-5. You should have saw me when I was at the 101. And so that's the reason why the ladies are all scared and freaked out because she was driving 101 miles an hour on the 101. But then when she got to the I-5, she was only driving five miles an hour. So I... I'm not saying that's the exact same way of living your life, but the fact that you you took up motorcycle uh, racing and just the fact that you said, look, it's not about your age. It's not about being too old. It's about living your life and 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 just just having that freedom. And also, when I think about the triathlons, the cycling, people that like, man, why are you doing all these things? Who are you trying to prove? What are you what are you trying to prove? Um, you just did it. You know, it's just about living the life. And that's really so exciting. That's what, what's so phenomenal about your background and your story. And I can't wait until Dave and I get the opportunity to dive deeper into your story, even dive deeper into your book, because I think the title of the book is so perfect about why you do what you do and how that's going to really help us as individuals. Dave? Love it. Love yeah, it. Thank you, Dan. I think Dan is, uh, you know, brought up something very important is that, you know, we can all relate to when we're living on the edge, but we can also relate to when we just have fear that paralyzes us. So, yeah. Joe, let's talk yeah. about what led you to start the performance group. I mean, we both come from different backgrounds. You talk about your time, perhaps in the Navy, you talk about your time in the ministry, but what was it that inspired you to say, you know, I want to take all my experiences. I want to take this newfound, this kindle fire to want to help other individuals what, what led you start the performance group well i think the short answer is i at that time in my life i come to the conclusion that all of us are hardwired right we are hardwired in two ways we're hardwired by our personal experiences which are both good and bad um but then there's this evolutionary hardwiring which i, I don't want to go too deep into this and I'm not here to impress anybody, but you know, you've got this reptilian brain that's been around for tens of thousands or whoever you want to follow and subscribe to scientifically hundreds of thousands of years. Um, but you know, there's part of us that just we're hardwired in a certain way and, and hardwiring creates limitation in our thinking. And as I look back on my life and, you know, first as an exercise physiologist in a hospital, I became a motivational figure to these people that were struggling with these, you know, after having a heart attack and, you know, they needed to be motivated and they needed data to figure out, you know, my body doesn't feel like it's responding properly and I don't feel like I'm getting any better. And then I'd come into them with, you know, a, a, a printout of their performance output and I'd be like, I know you don't feel like you're getting better, but look at these numbers. And I realized that the numbers and the data was changing the way they thought. And I went, wow, that's pretty powerful. When I got into the military, I became an aerospace physiologist and I was working in this high-risk training unit. And when we were on the ground and we were talking about things that go wrong in a cockpit, 
it was interesting when I'm when I was doing these, you know, teaching these modules, the difference between the kind of reaction I would get in the classroom and then the kind of reaction when we went out into the training facility. And we were doing things like dunking people underwater in a closed environment, upside down, strapped into a device with their eyes blindfolded and then teaching them how to actually get out of a sinking helicopter. The difference between talking about that and doing that are just, they're two worlds apart. And again, the light bulb came on and I thought, wow, you know, again, people are hardwired. They're hardwired a certain way, but if we can create experiences, we can actually accelerate the learning curve and yeah. help them achieve things that they want to achieve if we create these environments. And then, David, you mentioned the ministry, you know, my third, and there are a lot of lessons that I learned in all three of these areas, whether it was the hospital, the military, or the ministry. But the third thing I realized about the ministry was, you know, you can have great training and great data and provide great experiences, but people are limited by what they believe. At the end of the day, they're only going to go as far. They cannot rise above what they believe about themselves or their world. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, the ministry was about belief. And so as I put all those life experiences together, and I think the question was, why did you start the performance group, which is the company? Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the book in a bit. But the reason why I started the company was I believe that those three jobs uniquely position me to understand that you can have great data and have limited success. You can have great experiences and even build a great team and have limited success. But you, what you, we've got to conquer is the battle of the mind. Yes. And that requires this idea that if your mind is hardwired a certain way, that it, it can be rewired. And, and one of the illustrations I love is, you know, today I can really think every day about this idea that I'm going to receive an award in two months for a role as a leader in my community to make my community a better place. I can believe that story. The other story I can believe is there's not a lot of opportunity right now. COVID shutting the place down. This is just tough times. The cool thing and interesting thing about the way the brain is wired is when we tell the brain a story, the brain doesn't judge it. Meaning my brain won't say, well, that story about leadership, that's not a true story. All it wants to do is execute the idea that I placed in it. And so it wants to find signals and reasons for that story to become a reality. And so I thought, wow, how cool would it be to build a company where I can help people untangle the hardwiring, the stories and the limitations that, that prevent them from doing unique things or things that are important to them and rewiring certain aspects of these stories so that they can have better outcomes. And that's where the company was born. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. You've heard the rumblings. You even thought about starting your own. But how? Everybody knows podcasting is the fastest and best way to get your message out and grow your business all at once. Although everybody knows this, nobody showed you what to do. Well, Podcast Nation is ready to do all the heavy lifting for you while you just deliver your message and grow. Join the nation and start your podcast today. Text PODCAST to 929-244-4323 and make them hear your voice. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is Danny, by the way. I, I love that. One of the things that you say, which is uh, phenomenal, right? You, you have this performance, you have the teams, you have the data. I mean, there's so many different factors that when you put them all together, it, it, it just means success. When you talk to so many successful people, you've always asked, hey, what was it? How did you get over the edge? What was it? And, and they just had this mindset. They just had this mindset. I can believe I can do this. 
And when, when I was in the army and, and thank you for your service, Joel, when I was also in the army, I, I used to always ask myself, why do we sing songs? Why do we do cadence? Why, why do we have this rhythm that we do all the time? And, and believe it or not, most people, when you think about pain or you think about, I have to, I have to march uh, 25 miles or I have to go run 10 miles in, in, in the mud, they give up before they even start the race. Yeah. But as you're along the race and doing the journey and you're with your brethren, right? Your battle buddies. So Dave and I had this conversation about battle buddies. When you're with your battle buddies and you're singing together or you're in rhythm together, before you know it, it's already done. Or before you know it, you've already completed the obstacle. And, and your body, it's always going to say no. Your mind is always going to say no. But That's you right. got to push it through because your body can do a little bit more. We just have this the defense mechanism built in which is run away, which is hide, you know, do, just do enough to survive, but hide. And I love how you've taken the data and you're able to show. Sometimes in my mind, I need someone to tell me the story. I need someone to, to show me the proof it's been done before. It's been successful before. Oh, why do I need to get the flu shot? I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's been done before. People do it all the time. Well, why do I need to do X, Y, Z? Why do I need to, even jumping out of an airplane? You, one of the things if you've done in your past, but, but it's not safe. Millions of people have done it before. It's okay, but 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 I can show the data. It's okay, but 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 I can show the data. And as you said before, the helicopter drills. If you're in a simulation, you crash in a helicopter in, in the water. There, how can you prepare someone for that? Wait until it happens and hope they survive. No, you got to actually put them in that situation where their body and their mind believes it's happening at that moment, so that they can learn to survive. I, that is just that just blows my mind when I think about the fact that you took your past and you and you you formed a company from it. You took even the the, the whole part, part about the ministry is the belief aspect. You're absolutely absolutely correct when it comes to living life. When people say, "How did you overcome this? How did you live? How did you overcome this disease? How did you get out of your shell of being an introvert? How did you do this? How did you?" Do I just believed. I just believed. Yeah. What, what did you do? I read a lot of books. People said it could work. I read a lot of data that showed it could work. And I just said, why not me? Why not now? And I just believe that just blows my mind that you took your past. You, you, you said, Hey, this works. Here's the data. You took your experience in the military. Hey, this works. Here's the data. You went into the ministry. This works. Here's the data. And you wrote a book because it works. Here's the data. I mean, every aspect of your life, it works. Here's the data. And I think about David and myself, when we go help corporate citizens, we help these, these C-suite executives to run their businesses. You know what it comes down to? They see the numbers. It's, it's the mindset. It just comes down to the mindset. You said it earlier. Hey, you got a great team. You got a great team, but the performance is not there. Why? It's the mindset. I, I, over and over again. Look, you're the CEO. They brought you in as a CEO for a reason. They believe you can do the job. Your background says you can do the job. Why isn't it working? It's the mindset. Yeah. You know, thank you. First of all, Danny, thank you for your service. And I just want to quickly respond to that because I know that David's got a ton of great questions. <laughs> um, you know, two quick things. Uh, last week, I was on the phone call with um, a really interesting ground pounder from the Army. And I, I said to him, you know, what three words would you use to say goodbye to 2020? And he said, you know, Joel, I don't want to say goodbye to 2020. And here's why. Mm. It was a hard year. And what I found is I grow the most in hard years. Now, when he said that, I just stepped back and I said, you know, I believe that. But man, just hearing him say that was so powerful. Yeah. Because it really is the mindset, Danny, that you're talking about. And and I remember after he said that two days later, I went out on, on a bicycle ride. And I'm not going to make this sound any more. It's not that dramatic. But, but you know, riding a bike when it's 34 degrees out at a fast pace, it's cold, you know, <laughs> and, and parts of your body get cold and your eyes water because, you know, it's just, it's just cold, you know? And I remember being on that bike ride thinking, you know, and I couldn't in your bronchioles constrict because the air is cold in your lungs. And at one point for me, it felt really hard to breathe and it was a very challenging ride. And I thought, you know what, this is exactly where I need to be right now. This is exactly, this is the closest thing at age 56 that I'll get to SEAL team training where I was putting myself under such duress to stay in a group that was expecting me to pull my weight, pull my share, stay at the front at times. And I thought, 
based on what that guy said a week ago, he reminded me, look, you're at your best when you are pushing in super difficult situations. But if you push against that, Mm. you're going to fail. The other quick story is, you know, working with a client right now who is in a very messy personal situation and he's ultra successful professionally. And when I say ultra, he's in the upper, upper one percentile of our country as a wage earner, which we live in a very affluent country. But the other side is he has a limitation about this personal issue and, and he's having a hard time believing that it's possible for this personal position, uh, position to create a tipping point to win. So to your point, man, you're right. It's all about mindset. I know we're going to do a deeper dive in it. Yep. That, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Joel, because it so ties into your book. And, and if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is Danny, by the way, I'm going to repeat the title of your book, because I think people really need to hear this. Rewired, power up your performance, relationships, and purpose. Once again, everybody, listen, it's called Rewired. Power up your performance, relationship, and purpose. And, and, and Joe, please tell us a little bit more about that, because I think so many times we do have to rewire our brain. There's this thing out there today where um, we grew up a certain way and we don't know why. Yeah. We don't know why we do things the way things we do today. We don't know why we have the fears we have today. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we go back and we think about it and we sit down with people like yourself yeah. who can help us understand that and then move and push past that barrier, yeah. it actually helps us to grow. And so please explain a little bit more because this is, we could spend a whole hour and a half just on the book title alone. This love, itself. love to, love to Danny. So, so I always love stories because we learn stories, right? So I have a very successful high school friend who lives close by mm-hmm. and, um, and he's, he's a humble guy. You know? and so, and so we talk a little bit about his business and then we talk a little bit about his fitness level. And he said, you know, it's interesting when I look in the mirror, I still see the pudgy little boy from high school. <laughs> now, I tell this story because that's an example of hardwiring. Mm. I see myself when I look in the mirror, and this is not a vanity thing, but I see myself a certain way. And because I see myself from my history a certain way, I bring that story forward, mm. right? So Danny goes back to the question, rewired. What does that mean? Why, you know, We have to rewire there's two things that we have to rewire, right? Because we have to rewire, one, the old stories or the old narrative or limiting beliefs that come from our past, right? Whether you were in high school, and I'm not here to make anybody blush, but you know, we've all been through really weird things that have, that have changed our, really, sometimes our nature, whether it's public speaking, whether it's being rejected by a man or a woman, depending upon which gender you are. There's a whole host of different things, but, but, but we have stories, and they wire a certain reality that we hold about our, our own self-identity. Yep. If those stories are not serving us later in life, we've got to go back into the story and we have to rewire, right? So that's the first thing that's got to be rewired is our stories. They're better known as limiting beliefs, but I like to call them stories because beliefs kind of just dangle in the wind, but there's a story and there's a story about that pudgy little kid. I'm like, dude, you're, but you're a successful 56 year old man right now. That's got plenty of money to get a trainer. Like you don't need to be a pudgy dude. You just, just go, go at it. But he has a story and he's living from a story, right? The second thing that we've got to be rewired is I said earlier for simplicity stakes, I know there's multiple parts of the brain. I just want to talk about two parts. And these two parts live in antagonism to one another, right? So the front of our brain is the last part of the brain that developed in evolution. We're going to call it the prefrontal cortex. People write classic, you know, operas, all the higher thinking, mathematics, creativity, world problems, you know, Elon Musk's, you know, fortune. It's all here. It's all in the prefrontal cortex. In the middle of the brain is the evolutionary part that when we were, our ancestors was constantly telling us if something shakes in the bush, it's going to potentially kill you. So we have this antagonism every day of higher math and the need to survive. Well, the need to survive is a hardwired story. In fact, scientists have tell us that the brain has prioritized survival over happiness. Wow. So we are actually programmed to survive more. So like, why is gratitude? Go do a journal, go gratitude. 
Why? Is it that we're all a bunch of just really discontented? Like, are we just that unhappy? No, our brains are hardwired to survive. If you're hardwired to survive, you're not hardwired for gratitude, right? So, so to answer your question, Danny, there are just certain things that, you know, the reason why the book came to be was after, and especially after going through those three careers, and especially the ministry one, you realize everybody comes to the table and they want to tell you what? They want to tell you your story, their story. And the story that they want to tell is not how they got to the podium and raced and won and overcame all their fears. It's often the story of getting crushed because they're carrying now this part of them that they don't want to carry any longer. So how do we rewrite that story? How do we make that story right? How do we heal the past and inspire the future? Well, it's going to take rewiring because you can't just tell yourself to do something right. You've got to starve an old story and create a new story. And that's what rewired is designed to do. And I just chose to work in three silos. What I said was, you know, people want to perform, right? They want to do things, whether it's in your work or it's a recreation, but they want to do things. And so, and, and in order to do things, you need plan and you need metrics and you need accountabilities. And then people of course want to be in relationships. And it's ironic that even though we're wired for relationships because the brain, how the brain's wired, you know, and there's a lot of other splinter this to this conversation. I don't know how deep you want to go into that dive, but but we are more lonely than ever, even though we're more connected. So I chose to write a book about how do we break out of that, you know, and how do we power up relationships? And of course, the whole purpose thing was just the idea that at some point, somebody's going to have hopefully an event in their life. And I had it at age 30 and I was lucky, but it was a transformative event that explained to me, Joel, life is much more than getting ribbons on your your chest and being successful and accomplishing goals. There's there's another dimension to what you see and you are here for a purpose. And if you're courageous enough and you wanna ask the right questions, you're gonna discover what your purpose is and you're gonna start to live from a purpose as opposed to living from a profession or a paycheck. And so I chose those three silos in the book and I love that that was the choice I made. Yeah, I appreciate that, Joel. This is David. I love this. This is really getting me so excited because one of my keynote speeches is entitled Tell Yourself the Truth. And it's about the stories we tell ourselves. And you mentioned earlier, Joel, that we, we could fight that or we could rewrite it, right? Correct. And when I was a recent graduate of high school before I went to college, I was hanging out with my buddies who were um, either enlisted in the Marines, the armies, and or the Air Force, the Army or the Air Force, and we were on the beach playing tackle football in the Pacific Ocean there. And what's interesting enough, we would play football, go swim in the ocean, come back, play football, go swim in the ocean. And there was one time I was floating, if you could believe it, I, I, I don't know what they say about how salt water supports you differently than fresh water, but trust me, when you're out there and you're relaxed, you could just lose track of everything. And there was an instant where I was so far out in the, wash, in, the, in the ocean, Pacific Ocean there, that I got disrupted in my peace because something kind of struck me on the side of my arm. And I looked up and the shore was so far off and I panicked. I panicked, Joel. And everything in me, the, the story of you're going to drown. Right. You're not going to make it. Right there, my body reacted and I cramped up. Yeah. From the waist down. And I thought to myself, I'm dead. No one's going to get me in time. There's no way I'm going to make it back. The only thing that stopped me, Joel, there was something else in the back of my mind that says, wait, go back and relax. Don't fight against your mind and what it's, what, what's not going to happen. Think about what can happen. And I knew right there, logic said, don't try to swim towards the shore. You're not going to make it parallel to the shore just kind of ride the, the 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 water the tide there don't swim against it ride with it and just relax your body and joel had i not had the ability to just calm my mind just that one moment and not fight against the pain the fatigue the thought of i'm not going to make it there and panic i was able to make it back to the shore which was amazing and then the guy started laughing at me. Oh, Dave, you couldn't do it, whatever. That's just 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, you know, making fun of each other. But I thought to myself, isn't that true? That story of what we can't do, our failures, um, it's not going to happen. That fear can really prevent us from the thrill of life. Yeah. 
in your book, Joel, and even in your practice, you talk so often about creating adventures to bring that out in your, your clients. These exhilarating excursions. Talk about how that helps depending on your client, whether it's a, a hike, getting on the track, whether it's going down the slopes. How do you feel like that helps you to connect with your client and eventually push them over that edge where they can rewrite these stories? So when I was in uh, the Navy, I was an aerospace physiologist and uh, my job required me to actually go through flight training. And so mm. when I was going through flight training, um, one of the things that you had to learn was in the event that at altitude things go really wrong with your aircraft, you know, how do you prepare emergency procedures to land your airplane if something goes wrong, you know, in the air. And there are five steps to that. My instructor told me, Joel, his name is uh, Doug Mihalik, Lieutenant Commander. He said, Joel, I want you to juggle tennis balls when you're in your room and repeat over and over the procedures to, a, to, you know, to get your airplane on the ground, these five procedures. So I had to actually verbalize the five steps and I had to juggle at the same time. Well, transition, check, feather, clean, look, lock. Those are the five steps that I learned in 1993. I don't rehearse those. I've not rehearsed them at all in the last, how, what is that, 27 years or 26 yep. years? 27. They are so firmly implanted in my mind. And I'm, and I'm being very honest with you. After I got out of flight school, I, I never did any intentional repeating but they're so deeply embedded in my mind because of this understanding about neuroscience. The more that you include sensory into a learning experience, the more that it's wired into your brain, right? So there's a saying in the neuroscientific community or the neuroplastic community, cells that fire together, wire together. So if you want to create a new something, right? If you want to create a new reality about a skill or something that you want to create by doing things like juggling or pogoing on one leg. Anytime that you incorporate more sensory into the experience, you are literally hardwiring more neurons together mm. that is going to create a stronger network on the other side of the learning experience. And so all I did was say, Hey, uh, why don't we just take that understanding and if we're going to go, let's say, like if we're going to go to the racetrack or if we're going to teach executives about certain elements or disciplines of their leadership style, why don't we, we'll do a pre-assessment, right? And we'll kind of figure out where they're at on these scales and indexes and we'll, we'll paint a picture. Hey, this is kind of where you're at in terms of these standard assessments. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, in this category, I'm in this category. Now let's take them to the racetrack and let's put them in a car with data. Let's coach them. And then let's talk them through between the driving sessions and make observations about what they need to work on and create that experience for them. So that when they get on the other side of the experience, not only do they have an understanding of what needs to change, but they're actually doing it and they combine the experience. I'll give you one more quick illustration of this, which, which blew me away. One of the reasons why I was able to actually race at a very high level quickly, I mean, not only did I get training, but I did this one thing called a two-up two motorcycle ride in Southern California. Easily, easily described, a two-up is when you sit on the back of a race motorcycle, which is designed for one person, but they do one modification, which allows two people to be on it. But you essentially go on the racetrack with a professional high-level racer. You're on the back with your arms wrapped around him, holding onto a metal bar that's actually bolted to the gas tank. And when I tell you, when you go into the first corner and you're going between 155 and 170, which the, the racer will downshift the motorcycle and go into the first gentle corner at 100 miles an hour, which might not sound that crazy, even a gentle corner at 100 is significant. But I can tell you that in my experience in that ride, each time I came to a shorter corner, my mind said, we're going to crash. And I panicked, we're going to crash. And then we'd go through the corner and I'd be like, we didn't crash. And so that happened 42 times in two laps where my mind said, I'm going to crash. But then reality proved me differently. Nice. Yeah. 
When I got off his bike and I jumped onto my bike, now, no. Did I go as fast as him? No. But, but what, I, what I immediately understood was I'm not going to crash in corners because I just didn't crash. I had the experience. I know what it feels like viscerally to be in that position. So all I had to do was build up my skill set to reach that position. But I knew this is what's possible. So, so the idea of creating these experiences for people, that's all they do. They just create more touch points, which then wires this network and gives people the, the breakthrough. That's phenomenal. This is Danny, by the way. Uh, you said it so perfectly. I think um, one of the books, my, my wife has this book from Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yes. And, and he says the exact same thing you said, you know, uh, sales that fire together, wire together. And, yeah. and I think about, as you're telling the story, I don't know why, I'm sure the rest of the audience felt the same way when you're going through that corner, when you're going on that bike that fast and you're getting close to that wall and that feeling that you're going to crash. I don't know why, but part of my body felt that. <laughs> I just like, I, I don't know what, I just felt like, okay, I'm gripping. I felt like I'm gripping, I'm going to grip harder. Yeah. Even though I wasn't physically there, just you telling the story made me want to kind of grip my seat or something. I don't know what it was. Uh, and I, th I think about the fact that why, do, why did we stop taking risks? Right. I mean, I, I look at my brother and I and, and our age and how old we, are, we were when we, first, when we first started our businesses. And I yep. asked myself, why didn't we start earlier? Yep. And I, look about, I think about our lives. What, what happened? What happened? Because we get older, you're gonna, we're going to say the same thing. What happened to my life? Yeah. Why didn't I take that risk? It, yeah, Three reasons. Exactly. Three and, reasons why, right? So there's three I, reasons. I want, you, I want you to explain that. And, and yeah. another, thing, another thing I want you to explain is, is, is why do we, how do we embrace this, this new adventure mindset you, you, you talk about? How, how yeah. do we do that? Because yeah. give, without people reading your book right away, and I want to make sure they read it, but please give us a little bit more insight because I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this at this moment. Well, yeah, so, so three reasons, I believe there's, there's probably more, but the three main reasons I've discovered why people stop taking risks, number one is just fear. And you have to remember, fear is hardwired, right? Mm. We are survival creatures. Why do I want to go to your point? You know, when I'm on the back of a motorcycle and I feel the brakes come on aggressively and the motorcycle is tipping forward and then it's leaning into a corner and I'm not used to this, I want to survive. <laughs> That's where the fear comes in. So, so we got to get past our fear. That's one of the reasons why, and it's hardwired and we need a plan to get past it, right? The second thing is, and this is, might sound interesting, but I think the reason why we stop taking risks is the people that we surround ourselves and who we're influenced mm -hmm. by. And here's what I mean by that. You know, Jim Rohn once said, what? We are the average of the five people that we spend most time with. If I leave this podcast and I go down to the coffee house and I'm hanging out with people that are nervous Nellies, trust me, I'm not going to a racetrack. I'm going to make sure that my insurance policies are in place and I'm going to do all the right things to be safe. Now, if I go to the other direction to people that are really taking some really interesting risks, chances are that's what I'm going to be doing. Mm -hmm. So people influence us and we need to make sure that we're having the right people influence us for the right reasons. And then the third thing is why I wrote the book. We have stories mm -hmm. and we have limiting beliefs. You know, I think especially for men, you know, Men get older uh, and they start looking in their rearview mirror. And if we're not careful, we can start saying things like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 56. I shouldn't be fast. I just read a fascinating article in a cycling magazine where they're saying, actually, to the contrary, uh, men in their 50s and 60s can stay highly competitive on a bicycle. It's, it's your mindset, but you need to know that even just from a physiological perspective. But again, if I'm around guys going, yeah, you know, we just need to slow it down. No, that's, those are not my friends. I don't, not, I don't hang out with people that talk that way. I'm hanging out with people that want to continue to race, continue to do these events, and they want to continue to challenge themselves as hard as they can until they believe, look, this is no longer safe. We need to go a different direction. So those are the three things. I was going to say, Joel, I, I really appreciate that. And that's a great point. I think even for 2021, we talk about this health pandemic and how challenging it's been to be out and about. I'm the kind of person, I'm an extrovert. I need to be around people to get energized and get connected. But truth be told, even in this state that we're in, in terms of our country, the challenge of being more virtual, it is who we interact with the most. Who do we talk yeah. to? 
Who do we yeah. engage with? Who do we get with? That really helps to shape our ability to stay on that track to become either go-getters, we're over overachieving, we're accomplishing great things, or we stay in that shell and we're fearful, okay? Even before yeah. our time today, Joel, I was in a meeting and you had several people just feeling like this is their norm. We're not going to get out. This is never going to change. And right. I remember responding with, you've got to change your mindset. We mm. may not be able to do the same things you did before, but your business can still grow. Your employees mm. right. can still feel like they're being invested in. You don't have to look at quote unquote Q4 is what people were saying this morning. We're going to wait till Q4 and then things will turn around. I said, no, things turned around today. Things turn around when right. you make a decision. So that's really interesting. So let's talk about this sense of rewiring the brain, rewiring through different stories. What are some practical steps or perhaps approaches that professionals can take to rewrite yeah. stories? Excellent. So I think there's a couple ways to looking at this. First of all, you've got to do the diligence and the work to figure out what really is the storyline that's really holding me back. Sometimes, uh, and like I tell people, you know, people hire me for X and they often get Y, meaning I think when there's a deeper discovery on what is driving people and what people really need and want deep down, the narrative kind of changes. So anyway, I think there's a, there's a diligence that needs to discover what is it that's really holding me back? You know, like for some people have a hard time, you know, they say, I don't want to make a lot of money. Well, why is that? Well, because, you know, money is the root of all evil. Well, no, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. But a lot of good can happen. If you're capable of making a lot of money, you can have a lot of influence and a lot of impact. So we have to dig down and figure out what's really holding people back. Uh, the other thing is, so you say, the, so here's the practical approach, right? So once we've identified a story, right? So I'm going to use you, David, as a, a test model here. And let's just say that that's, that's your thing. Right now, you're like, you know what? I don't want to grow the business too big because if I do, I might lose sight of what's important. And I might lose contact with my wife and my kids. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to develop this greedy part of me. And so th there's a storyline, right? So we have to test that and really determine, is that really what David is really wrestling with, right? Once we come up with what we believe is your truth, right? We've got to begin to starve in old, what I call an old narrative, the old story, and we've got to begin to build the new one, right? And so there's a process that I do, right? And it takes five to 10 minutes. Um, and I, 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 I tell people you need to do it every day at five to 10 minutes. But it's a process of really making the mind fit that has different dimensions and elements of training, right? So the first one is just breathing and awareness. Um, I'm a big proponent of, of meditation. Um, I really believe that one of the gifts of meditation, and, and, and I don't want to do a deep dive into this because this is outside the scope of the, of the interview. But one of the things I've learned from meditation, and I've seen the power in it, is that you get to, in meditation, if you do it correctly you get to view your thoughts from the third person perspective. And when you're able to do that, you don't produce the emotions that that thought is intended to produce or normally would produce. And so it's really powerful that meditation can disconnect you from negative emotion and actually get you going in a different direction. The thing I love too about, about meditation is you can set an intention while you're meditating that by the end of this session, you are going to intentionally do something uh, that's constructive and, and goal-oriented, right? So, so there's there's that part. There's the, the meditation. Um, I'm a big, big proponent of affirmations, and I'm sure both of you guys understand that because you're in the same line of work I am. Um, the I am statement is psychologically significant, and I not done a vast amount of research on this, but I, I've done enough to know that what I'm saying is true. So whoever wants to fact check this, feel free. But there's something uniquely inherently important and powerful to the psyche about I am, and then fill in the blank. I am average. I am getting old. I am a rock star. Like my affirmations, I am a man of extraordinary health. I am in a network of relationships that are generous and resourceful. I've got 20 of those that I am. Well, over time, I am is who we become. 
Yes. Yep. That's part of the story. Yep. The other function of, of rewiring the mind is absolutely visualization. Yes. And literally picturing what you want an event, a relationship, or life to look like literally and visually. Again, going back to the brain, the brain doesn't judge your, your picture. It doesn't say, dude, that's not going to happen or that's not right. Or it just gets the picture and then it, it drives toward finding the data points to help you achieve that position. Another, again, it, for the more advanced approach, once you've done that as a morning meditation and you're actually training your mind to disconnect from the, the negative limiting belief, the bad story, that's pudgy me in 12th grade. And now I've got my new story. This is me, proactive, disciplined, diligent, making a difference in my community, super confident. Those are two storylines. If you want to drive it deeper and accelerate that so it gets wired more quickly is bringing in other sensory systems. Is something as silly as literally juggling, running in place, doing push-ups. If you combine activities with thought, it hardwires and rewires your thinking in an accelerated way. Or... If you want to go something like I did and get on the back of a motorcycle, I mean, why do people, you know, the whole thing about skydiving and that, that whole two up thing, the one thing I've never heard anybody say, which is what I do, which is before I do that, I'm going to attach a very profound thought mm. or intention to that activity so that that activity is going to crystallize mm. and solidify a conviction about me and my future. And that's every time I look at that or I think about that event, it's going to hardwire my new reality that this is who I am and what I stand for. Yes. That's the power of rewiring the mind. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women. Thank you for checking out the Twins Talk It Up podcast. If you're enjoying this program and are learning something along with us, please consider becoming a supporting member through our Patreon at patreon.com slash DSB Leadership Speaking. Also, consider leaving a great rating on iTunes and comment on our other platforms. If you would like more information or would like to become a guest on a future episode, please send a message via our website, www.dsbleadershipgroup.com. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. That is love it. Right there, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm good right there. <laughs> uh, you're absolutely right. I, I love that. I love that aspect. When when you change your story, you change your trajectory. Yeah. Yes. And so many times you said you said you stated it. Very successful friend always imagine it and envision himself as the chubby uh, chubby kid. This is this is this is amazing. I was taking some notes because um, I mean, my brother always preaches the gratitude journal. He always yeah. preaches the affirmation. And when, when I think about the meditation, my wife and I, we do our meditation. We, we're, that's, my, that's my battle buddy in the mornings. We, we're, we're part of this 5 a.m. group and we, we, we do 5.30 a.m. Let's just be honest, not 5 a.m. <laughs> so we got this 20-20-20 uh, this and basically 20 minutes of, um, uh, of just exercise to get the blood flowing, 20 minutes of just um, gratitude, self-journaling, affirmation statements, uh, 20 minutes of, of self-learning. And this whole aspect of taking our mindset and, and just thinking about it, envisioning about what we want to be, how we want to be before it even becomes a reality. And, and all these things that our reality says, you know what, let's just think about our past. This is the way things are going to be. And we project it to the future. We don't realize we're harming ourselves for the future. 
at all. And one of the things um, you gave some great practicals and I know that it's not a full session, but it, those practicals can actually be a workshop for people. One of the yes. things I want to say, by the way, this is Danny, is um, you brought up a CEO friend before. Um, so when you're working with these CEOs, these individuals who have been successful and, and you're helping them to uncover their past so that they can move forward to the future, uh, give, us, give us an example. Uh, give us a, uh, a person that, another example, because I, I love hearing these examples. Another example of another friend, another CEO, another leader who, you know what? They, even though they were successful in the eyes of other people, in their own eyes, they were not quite there because something was holding them back. How did you help them? Because these are practicals. I mean, really, at the end of the day, we think, oh, I'll take a miracle drug or a miracle pill. I'm ready to go. <laughs> but these things, they take time. It takes time to rewire your brain. But when it gets rewired, oh, my gosh, things have just, boom, it's changed. But can you give right. another example? Because I, I just want more. I want more. I want to hear more stories. I, want, I love these stories, by the way. I just want to hear another story. So, so, excited. Yeah, so, so um, yeah, so I was fortunate. Uh, this happened once. I worked with someone in the executive team of a multi-billion dollar mm -hmm. company. It happened once. And it was, and it was actually, I think it was my greatest work, mm -hmm. which was just a blessing from God. But we were uh, in the middle of an immersion, right? So an immersion is when I take all the best of my best practices of what we're talking about. Yep. And I squeeze it down into a two and a half day event. Mm -hmm. And people come to me because they're usually like, you know, I need to solve this one thing is really bothering me and I need to solve it. And so they hire me and we, we go through this experience. And so this particular executive, we were uh, in the mountains um, and there was a situation that I knew what we were coming up on where we went off a trail and there was this ridge that was rocky and I walked out and I invited this executive to come and they declined. Mm -hmm. And then we got, you know, we, I, I came back from the ridge. We continued to walk. We came back down and we basically, you know, deconstructed that what happened. And I, you know, I asked this person, I said, what do you think happened? And the person said, well, you know, um, it was well within my reach, but I, I felt like I didn't have the right shoes. Mm. And I said, I, I know you now fairly well because I'm in your life. And I said, you made a conscious decision not to do that. It had nothing to do with your shoes, mm. but you made a conscious decision not to risk that, even though I knew that the risk was well within your tolerance of safety. I mean, it was not, it was not like edgy. I mean, you had a, you had a focus. You know, you had to really think about walking on this particular surface. I mean, could you have gotten hurt? Yeah, but it would, you'd have to really like mess up and be clumsy to fall. You know, so as long as you're really focused and I, I would never, ever put a client in any dangerous situations, but I'm going to put a client many times in situations where, yeah, they're going to, they may panic a little bit and, and we have to figure out what happened, you know. And so that was the, the, the moment there that came on where we had to have that conversation where how many times do you actually cover up what the decision or the motive for making your decisions for what you think is just convenient? You know, and we had a super constructive conversation where, you know, and of course, I hear this a lot of times when you work with people at the top of companies, no one else calls me out on stuff like that. And, and of course, we all need that, you know, we need somebody in our life to get that will tell us and, and, and fill in the gaps yeah. in, in, in all the subjective places, you know, and that's one of the things I really, really, really love about, about coaching, you know, is I think coaching, um, it really, it, it, it improves objectivity, you know, I think good coaching is going to allow clients to see obstacles and blind spots and weaknesses, and, and that's really, and, and, and challenge perceptions and attitudes and beliefs. And so, yeah, that, and, and, you know, there's a, there's a handful of, of, of other stories like that, but I don't know, is that what you were looking for? <laughs> exactly. I think real quick, this is Danny, by the way, Yeah. everybody needs a coach. Yes. I, I just don't understand how people think they don't need coaches. Even from the time when Dave and I first became disciples and we think about even uh, all the way back to Jesus's days, right? Is that he had disciples, disciples needed a coach. Everybody yeah. needs a coach. It doesn't matter how successful you are. It, everyone needs a coach because there's going yeah. to be one aspect of their story. They yeah. need fine tuning. They're going to be one aspect of their life where they need someone to help them get through that mental barrier, help them right. get through that, that threshold. There's something right. that always limits people's beliefs. And yes. so fact, even professional athletes, the best athletes in the world. I remember Tiger Woods was just, just tearing up the world in golf. 
And people are like, how does he, how does he take those risky shots and bend that golf ball? How does he do all that? Well, he, right. he had the mental mind strength, but he had a coach. And so right. all these individuals you work with, the CEO friend, he's like, look, it's not the shoes. I've calculated that if, as long as you stay focused, this is not going to be that big of a challenge for you. But you immediately decided to blame a shoe to, to, to deter you from stating that you were just afraid. All these different aspects came, came down to you just, we all need coaches. Dave needs a coach. I need a coach. We all need coaches in our lives. And yes. we all have one aspect unless somebody really knows you. Yeah. yeah. spends time with you. That yep. person is going to be the one that gets you through. That person is going to be the one that sharpens your sword, right? As, yeah. as iron sharpens iron. This is th that, that just blows my mind that yeah. you're, that's why you need to get the book, everybody. <laughs> you need to well, let me go back to quickly, Danny, let me go back to that quick story because I'll tell you some of the details of how we deconstructed it, but sure. this is really great that you're bringing it back up, right? So the first question I asked was, do you trust me? Because mm. I'm the one that led you out there. Yeah. And this person said, absolutely. And then, of course, the second question was, do you trust yourself? And that question led through a series of, were you afraid? Did you not want to focus? Did you not see the value in being challenged? Like, And so, to your point, that was the coaching moment. Then when we grabbed onto the answer, then I stepped back and said, okay, tell me, how does that apply to your marriage? How does that apply to you coaching direct reports? How does that plot apply to you in a room where you want to inspire, inspire change? Like, show me that. I want to know more about what we just experienced. And that's the power of good coaching is when you take an experience like that and you're able to go, let's take that data and make it meaningful. This is not, you know, we're not going up into the, into the hills and sitting cross-legged because we want to think deeply. Like, what does that mean to us? And what does that mean to you as a leader, a, a father, a wife, a husband? And that's when coaching gets rich. And we were able to connect those dots. And that's when it gets meaningful. Yeah. Uh, Joel, you said something very interesting. This is David. You talk about the value of coaching. Dan went into it a little bit more. But I want to bring it full circle here. What yeah. would allow these professionals to just literally get on a bike with you, jump off a plane with you, go down an, an incredibly steep mountainside with you? What would make them do that? And in your book, you talk about or at least in your talks, you also mentioned that there's a secret sauce. It's called vulnerability. Mm -hmm. They trust you, Joel. And because they trust yeah. you, they're putting it all out there. And maybe the fear or the potential thought of dying puts it all out on the table. But there's a sense of this vulnerability. They're open with you with their deepest thoughts, deepest secrets, deepest fears, deepest hopes. And it's through the power of being vulnerable that you're able to coach them through this. Can you share a little bit more about that? And maybe you could kind of infuse a story about our personal friend, Steve Johnson there too, because I mean, one of our old time favorites, but, but, but how do you throw that in there when you talk about the fact that they just totally trust you, they have to be vulnerable with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of my favorite, uh, there's a proverb chapter 20, verse five, you know, the purposes of a man or a woman's heart are deep waters but a man or a woman draws them out. And so I, I, you know, the thing that I love about coaching is this idea that inside of everybody, there's this masterpiece and, and it might be flawed, but it's still a masterpiece. And it's our role to draw out the greatness out of people. Well, I think you hit on it, David, is a couple of things. Number one is I think people often say to me, and I find this to be one of the most flattering and empowering things that I experience as a professional in my last 20 years is when people say, and they say it consistently, they'll say, you know, I've never told anybody this. Mm -hmm. And then the comma comes in and they fill in the blank. And it's amazing. I'm not saying that to flatter me. I, but I, what I come to realize about myself is I set up a context for people to feel safe yep. and respected and valued. Now, that's just through my own life story and years of being bounced off the bottom and hardship and coming back and rising like a, a phoenix from the ashes of disaster. Um, but but so I think what I, first of all, without establishing trust, nothing really meaningful or great is going to happen in a relationship. 
But once that trust has been established, you know, it is this idea, right? This, this vulnerability. I work with men and I tell them it's really risky being known <laughs> because if you really know me, I'm vulnerable to being judged by you, right? I can present, I got some, I got to take a sip of this. <clears throat> I can present to you <clears throat> the best pieces yeah. about me. But I also have to tell you the most flawed and the most damaged parts of me to know my entire story. <coughs> Forgive me because I have something. It's okay, Joe. We'll <laughs> edit it out. <laughs> I was going to say, <coughs> we'll have to edit this part out. And so let me take a step back. I think that's out of my throat now. And this idea of establishing, once you've established trust, you know, the vulnerability card is this idea that if I'm going to extract great things out of you, you have to risk being known and telling me a whole story. In our part of the world or in my little mini camp, I call it opening up the kimono, right? You got to open the kimono. Let it all out. You got to show me your gut. What do you look like with your shirt off? You know, as a man, show me the waistline. Um, but that experience is where you get to the real part of self, right? You begin to break down to the core, the core of what we need, of what we want, you know, and 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 we begin to peel the peel the layers so that we can get to the the stuff that's really important to us and that's really driving. Because those things, I think, they, that's a that's a process of discovery. And going back to the idea of risk, you know, this is an interesting quote by John Maxwell. And I think I'm going to get it right. But John said, risk should not be measured by the reward it could bring, but instead by the value or meaning it delivers. And so that's an interesting quote, because I think, you know, even going back to the whole thing with the motorcycle thing, I wasn't, I mean, sure. Did I want to get to the podium? Yes. Do I want to stand up and go, wow, look at how well I did? Of course, that's part of my human nature. But I also believed in the larger issue was I don't want to shrink back as a man. Mm -hmm. I don't want to keep going down a slow staircase in my 40s and 50s that I'm going to arrive one day at 60 with a bunch of guys going, yeah, you know, it's just time to slow down. Well, no. It's not time to slow down. Not yet. You know, so, so there's a deeper meaning in it. So, so I think, does that, does that, does that resonate? Yeah, for sure, Joel, for sure. I, I'm grateful for that. You shared that. And I'll tell you the truth. I think for me hearing you share today and, and as Danny resonated, when you've been using the power of storytelling, it really helps to get the audience or the readers or your, your trainees to really make it personal. And when they make it personal, they're writing right there, kind of over, over that story, a narrative for themselves. And if they can attach that, they can see hope in a different person, a different version of who they are. And that's what I believe that you're doing and you're providing, not only in your book, but in the way you work with your clients. They're truly blessed, Joe, to have you working with them. I can tell you right now, just even as a friend, and seeing your resolve, seeing your faith, this is a passion for you. This is more than just saying, uh, how do I get my name out there? It's not about that. You care generally for the success of these individuals in their life. And their life is not just their business. It's their family life. It's their relationships. It's being able to go in there and say, let me help resolve the conflict within you. Then we can address the conflict within your organization, within your marriage, within your family. This is a truly inspiring, Joel. So I want to thank you for sharing these things with us today. I mean, literally, Dan and I are so ecstatic to be able to partner with you in, in projects going forward and learning from you. And matter of fact, we talk about just helping to support each other with our stories and coaching. There is so much there that I know I'm going to be able to take from you, Joel. And I'm really grateful for you coming on our show. It really has been so inspiring. Well, listen, I'm super grateful for the both of you. Uh, great questions, great energy. And I just want to let your viewers know that if anyone, you know, if anything has been said today that really resonates, uh, there's a couple of things that you can do to take action. And certainly you can re reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, you can reach out to me at, through our company website is theperformancegroup.us, theperformancegroup.us. I'm sure Dave's going to put some links somewhere for you to take action on. 
But what I often do when I get invited to stuff like this is I offer um, a free coaching session because I just feel like I love coaching. And if you can come to that discussion with a real clear question that you want, you believe is an answer to, it really makes for an incredibly meaningful conversation. And so I'm just going to throw that out there. It's been a pleasure uh, being with you guys. And I'm looking forward to, uh, who knows, maybe something in the future that we can collaborate on. Well, we definitely are excited about that, Joel. It will happen. And as you mentioned earlier, I will make sure that all of Joel's links are attached to this podcast. You'll see it on our YouTube channel. You'll see it in our podcast channels. We're going to have his information on there as well as his book. And I want you guys to get out there right now. If you're hearing this, I want you to do two things. Number one, I want you to hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star rating. And then I want you to go to Amazon and I want you to get his book, Wired. Power up your performance, relationships, and purpose. We're going to be about action this year. This is 2021. Yeah. It is January. We've got to continue to feed the right habits, feed the right mindset. So if you're hearing this, subscribe, go buy that book. And by the way, I invite you also to come on as a guest with us. Or if you want to sponsor an episode, go to our Patreon page and learn how to be a sponsor. So once again, on behalf of my twin brother, Danny Brown, I want to thank all of you for joining us today. Our listeners are truly enriched and blessed for having Joel on the show. Joel, thank you for joining us. We'll look forward to seeing the rest of you guys on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSB Leadership and visit us online at dsbleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.